Financial minimalism is stupid. It's a race to the bottom. It keeps you broke while simultaneously thinking that you're doing better when you're not. That's a hot take if I've ever heard one. (laughs) (laughs) I am am being honest about that. Uh, After working with so many students and so many people, one of the most common things that I see in the financial world and the traditional thinking world is that they, people need to focus on getting their expenses down when in reality that's very limited. And what you should actually be doing is focusing on investing in yourself, creating new skills. That way you can create more. That way you actually can do the things that you dream of doing and pursue a purpose that you have without having to fund it through a traditional job. Okay, so define for the audience what financial minimalism is. So financial minimalism is where live debt-free, which let me speak on debt for half a second. Debt does make you a slave to a lender if you don't understand how the financial world works. For a large portion of the planet, they should attempt to work or live debt-free to a certain extent because they don't understand how to handle finances. If you raise your financial IQ and you raise your financial understanding, you have the potential of not only earning more, but using capital in a way that it actually builds your wealth. You can actually build your wealth through your expense column if you understand how to use financial literacy, if you can raise your financial IQ. So financial minimalism to me, when I, when I see other people talking about it, it's not, Hey, I want to own nothing in my house and I'm not going to hang any pictures on my walls. That's really up to you. If, if you don't want to, if you want to have one bowl and one spoon in your house, cause you're a minimalist. So it's not about owning three pairs of pants and five shirts and, and having that type of minimalist lifestyle. This <laughs> no, is not that. About, yeah. You get, yeah. You want, you want a, you want a diverse world. <laughs> you, you need, okay. you need venom, you need Spider-Man, you know what I mean? <laughs> Okay. You need Scrooge McDuck. No, it's it's not about the how few things that you own. That's not what I'm talking about when I say financial minimalism. When I'm talking about financial minimalism, I'm speaking to the people who are scared to use money. They don't understand that money is actually useless until you use it. So you need to understand how to use it properly. We we don't own own we we don't have a system in which real money exists. We own fiat currency, currency, current. It has to move. So if you understand how to steward it well, you have the potential to grow and you have the potential to create more than you could ever imagine because it'll go to work for you. Financial minimalism, they believe, traditionally people believe that if you just get your debt to zero, if you just get your expenses to zero, you'll be happy. When in reality, you have to live. So you're never going to get to zero. You're trying to race to this bottom dollar, this bottom amount, this bottom number that does not exist. Well, what happens if you do get your expenses to zero though? What you're does that do for you? You're homeless. Yeah. What does that do for you? It, well, that's the question that people don't ask themselves. That they, they don't understand that it actually doesn't do anything for them. They don't understand that they are actually the value. People believe and people act as if the dollar has a value. It Money has no value. It's just an agreement. It's just an agreement that we've all made that it's okay to use this as a, as, as a means of trade. They don't understand that they're the value. If you put a $100 bill on a table in front of us, assuming everybody's ethical, when we come back in a week from now, that, table, that, 100, that $100 bill is still going to be sitting here. It won't move. It's not going to do something by itself. It doesn't, it doesn't have value. It's still, if, as long as it's on the table, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It, it needs to fly into action. Money is useless until you use it. 
So if you don't understand how to use money, that's where people get fearful. And they try to squeeze onto the dollar and they try to hold on to it. And they're like, I want to hoard it. When in reality, when you're hoarding something, it's losing its value. It's actually controlling you. So in financial minimalism, people believe that the dollar is above them. That's really what they're doing. Subconsciously, they don't understand that, but they're actually putting the dollar above themselves. And I, will, I, I can prove this mathematically. So let's just say you have $5,000 a month in expenses. What's the best that you can do? If you're a financial minimalist, you're scared of money, you're, you're, you're fearful of it, and you feel like it controls you, the best you can possibly do is get it to what? Zero? Right? I mean, I, yeah, like theoretically. So zero. If, you, if your whole goal is to eliminate expenses yeah. and you have $5,000 a month in expenses, the best you can do is get not, to zero dollars. Knock off $5,000. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. If you can understand that you are the true value, you become unlimited because you have the ability to invest in yourself, create new wealth, create new opportunities, create new skill sets that pay you 10 grand, 15 grand a month, 20 grand a month. $50,000 a month, $100,000 a month. Would you rather be the person that understands a high level skill set that can pay you fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month? Or would you rather focus on eliminating five grand? Oh, I'd much rather have the skill set because you can do that over and over and over and over and over again. And then the five grand becomes nothing. The five grand doesn't matter. Exactly. I'd you rather are- have 50 grand a month than I just made. And you- then that five grand, what is that? What is that? You would be blown away. By the number of people that believe that it makes more sense to focus on eliminating $1,000 a month. If I could just get my expenses down to $4,000 instead of $5,000, I will be happy when. I, I want to know where that came from because I know that I'm, we've both done this in our lifetimes. Like we've, mm-hmm. We were taught this. Everybody's taught this. They're taught that you You're need to... You're talking about the traditional Yes, traditional. Yeah. You're taught to spend less money. Mm-hmm. everybody's done that and everybody at one point what before you learn the opposite you're like i need to maybe stop drinking a drink at starbucks every day to spend don't spend that money here we come with the starbucks again <laughs> don't spend that money let's avoid this six dollar expense because it's how much is a starbucks it's, it's like eight, six seven dollars it's like six to eight dollars depending on what you get it is ridiculous that is not good it's, value that is not is a good not. true value but the the eight dollars but if it if it meal. brings you happiness it's not going to move the needle. No. At the end of the day, that's that's what it's important to understand what moves the needle and what doesn't. Right. What actually makes but a benefit you in my life. What understand doesn't. why you're not spending it. It's not, I'm not going to, like if you say, okay, I'm going to stop spending seven, eight dollars at Starbucks a day. Why are you not spending it? Are you not spending it because you're trying to get your expenses down to zero? Or are you not spending it because you're going to put that money somewhere else? Because that money is going to go into something that has the possibility of creating new compounding for me. Right. That's the difference between the two here. Yeah, understanding liabilities and assets. The other thing for financial minimalism and what I'm not talking about, because I'm going to go into why it actually makes sense to spend more, which most people are like, what? What's your mortgage? Like, yep. Not not only am I happy about it, it's financially smarter than having a cheaper mortgage. But we'll go over that in, in a few minutes here. So financial minimalism is based and rooted in fear. So that is why we are taught that originally, because you're not taught abundance typically. I'm not saying it never happens, but typically you're not taught abundance. You're not taught unless you're, you know, you're Wyatt and yeah. you just grow up in abundance. And, and, and you grow- <laughs> you're like, this is how you think, and he just thinks that's how we think. Yes, unless you are brought up that way. Yeah, you're brought up in a different scenario where you're experiencing something different. But you're not going to find that in school. You are absolutely not going to find that in traditional schooling, typically. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some wealthy areas that it is different, 
But I didn't grow up like that, so I don't know. So I. I, I don't know. Grew up middle class, picket fence, two and a half kids, and a dog. Two and a half kids? Yeah, that's the average. 2.5 kids. Oh, I thought you meant you had a half sibling. I was like, no. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, but um, the financial minimalism is built and rooted in fear. So therefore, the best thing that you can do is move towards it. Like your whole goal is to move away from it. But really, if you're focused solely on getting your expenses to zero or how can I get it as low as humanly possible, what you're actually subconsciously doing is going, I am actually in fear of not being able to create. I am in fear of not being able to produce. I am in fear of, insert comment of fear of action and money leaving me. That's I'm scared it's one. not going to come back. What If, if it, I spend it, it won't come back. What if it doesn't come back? Yeah. What a, what a great question. What if it doesn't come back? That's, that question right there should root you in, why did it come to me in the first place? What skill did I use to get that money in the first place? What did I do? Can I do it again? And can exactly. I become the best at it? This is why <laughs> rich people can go broke, have bankruptcies, and be twice as wealthy in a fraction of the amount of time. It's because of their understanding and their skill sets. It has nothing to do with luck. So anybody that says like, oh, you're just lucky or anything like that, they don't understand what it takes. So once you recognize that financial minimalism is stupid and it keeps you in the basement of your potential, what you'll come to realize is after a situation like that, even like a rich person going bankrupt and being able to rebuild their wealth so quickly, is that they understand that they are the value. That's why the rich get richer. They should. It's the only thing that even makes logical sense. Let me prove it to you. Okay, for any, <laughs> I want to make your friend joke that you have, <laughs> but I won't. It's so, it's so funny, but maybe another time. <laughs> but what's funny about that is a lot of people that are go, oh, the rich shouldn't get richer. That doesn't make sense. All right, if you come into fifty grand and you're like, it needs to be invested, are you going to go to the poor person or the rich person? You're obviously going to go to the rich person. You're obviously going to go to the rich person. What does the rich person have? They have the skill sets and the knowledge to use that money more effectively. The understanding, the experience, yes. the wisdom, all of the above. Yeah. And all they did at some point was choose to think differently, to choose to fight against the status quo. Because we could go to the store right now and we could go, hey, would you like to save $500? And they go, yeah, of course. Hey, would you like to make an extra $500? No, nah, it's a scam. You're so right. Just realized that, didn't you? Yeah. Why? One is based in creation and growth and making you better. The other one is based in rooted in fear. Give me that fear one. I want to save 500 bucks. I want to get down to zero. Everybody loves fear. <laughs> and you're like, I did not realize how much fear controls but we've talked about this. Even I am like some, even now I'm still in that fear sometimes. Nobody eliminates fear. Yeah. I have fear every day. Yeah. But the fear of like spending money and it not coming back to me. I do have that fear. We've talked about it when I booked my flights to South America. Yes. And I can't afford to spend. I can afford to uh -oh. spend the extra she, grand. She said can't. She was like, I can't say the word can't. I can afford. Can't is a, is a swear word in our home. Can't is a swear word. And I'm, I meant to say can. I just stumbled. Yeah. I can afford to spend the thousand dollars 
to not fly for 24 hours straight Mm -hmm. from Ohio to Argentina. Yeah, and you could have done it in six, four hours, something like that. Oh, it's still like a 10-hour flight. Okay, you still have layovers. No, no, no. I wouldn't have had the layovers. I could have flown from Ohio. So I went from Ohio, Mm -hmm. and then I went down to D.C., and then I went from D.C. to Charlotte, and then I went from Charlotte up to JFK in New York, and then I went from New York to Argentina. Yeah. For like four hundred and fifty dollars, so you could have cut out, cut out four of the layovers. <laughs> yeah, I for four hundred and fifty dollars, and I could have spent like twelve hundred dollars, I think it was, and gone just from Ohio to JFK and JFK down to Argentina, yeah. and had peace of mind. It had peace of mind. But instead, I was like, uh, "This is scary. That's a big number, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spend that money. I could just spend less. I could save money." But what it ended up costing you was something that you can never get back. My time. So time is the only commodity in the world in which you cannot recapture. Yes. Unless you spend money on it, which is very interesting. Spend money on it. You can spend money and recapture your time, such as spending extra and having less layovers and getting there quicker. Oh, yes. You can spend money and delegate tasks. You can spend money and build a business. You can spend money and have someone else do a task that isn't as valuable to you as it is for them, and it's within their skill set and not within yours. And that is worthy of spending your money on. And that is why understanding that money is absolutely useless until you use it is such an important principle to come to learn and understand. People do not understand that. Again, go to the store right now. Anybody watching, anybody listening, go to the store and ask someone, hey, you want to save 500 bucks? And they will get excited. But if you ask them if they want to make an extra $500, there's a very good chance that you're looked at like an alien. They might even shoot you away. I thought you were going to say shoot, and I was like, that escalated quickly. Jeez. They might shoo you away. Shoo you. Shoo you. Yeah. Understood. Understood. You you would you would answer this like me now, but let's say a year ago or two years ago, I asked you the question. Hey, does it make more sense to have a ten thousand dollar mortgage in a two million dollar home, or does it make more sense to have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home in a six hundred dollar mortgage? I would have gasped at the two thousand dollar mortgage. Was that what it was? Or was it the ten thousand dollars? The ten thousand. Yeah. I would have gasped at the ten thousand dollar mortgage. Mm-hmm. I would have probably thrown up in front of you. Like <laughs> I cannot imagine spending that much every month. So I probably would have said the smaller one. Yeah, like take the take the six hundred dollar mortgage and the hundred 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 fifty thousand dollar house. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes more financial sense if you are financially literate. It makes more financial sense to own a one to two million dollar home with a five to ten thousand dollar mortgage than it does to make. Uh, a six hundred dollar month monthly payment on a hundred fifty thousand dollar home. This is if, if you can afford it. This is if, if you can if you can financially support it. Yeah, exactly. This is if it's within your means. Yeah. Elaborate why. So, how does that work? But if, if you just break down the math, it makes so much more financial sense. Understanding true value and the potential of what you have is in the more expensive home every single time. So again, we're dealing with a fiat currency. So we deal with inflation. Inflation is the hidden tax on all of your buying power. And when you're trying to hold on to the dollar, it's sitting in a bank account losing value every single day, right? So your buying power is decreasing. So what we've been going through recently, let's just use 10%. It's a nice even number and it'll be simple, simple enough to understand for most people. So if you have 10% inflation, okay, and you own a million dollar home over the course of a year, your million dollar home is now worth what? 1.1, right? Roughly. Again, we're using rough numbers here just so it's simple enough to understand. Your million dollar home is now worth 1.1 million. 
And that's not even, we're not even talking about the mortgage or expenses yet. We're just talking about you own more tangible physical things. So therefore your net worth is increasing due to the dollar becoming less valuable. Therefore it just takes more dollars for someone to buy it now. So you're hedging against inflation. So you no longer have a hidden tax. You're actually working on the side of it. You're actually benefiting from it. Now, if you have a hundred thousand dollar home and you have a 10% inflation, what's your house worth? 110. 110. $110,000. So in one scenario, you gained six figures of worth in one year. That's more than most people make in a year. And you did it by doing nothing. Absolutely nothing except Literally for... nothing other than sitting in your home. Yeah. I can get paid more by sitting at home than someone else going to work for 40 hours a week. That is wild to think about. Yeah. When you say it like that, you could sit on your couch yeah. every day mm-hmm. for an entire year and watch TV. Yeah. And you would get paid more than the average American. The, like 70%? Yeah, well above the average American. Yeah. Of Americans. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That When you say it like that it puts it into way crazier perspective. That's what the financially literate are doing. They buy valuable things at a discount. They buy value at a discount. It's the only thing that matters because their dollar goes to work for them. We will have an entire episode on wealth cycles in the future. And we'll talk about all this and build, building a system in which it operates above you. That way, even if you have a bad day, your net worth increases. It's a, it's, it's a very valuable piece of information or practice that you should absolutely be doing. We'll have an entire episode on that. But in this scenario, we haven't even calculated in debt service or debt pay down. Okay, so the million-dollar home, on average, will have a $5,000 mortgage. So what's 5,000 times 12? It's 60,000. So over the course of one year, I will pay, in this scenario, $60,000 towards my mortgage. Now, obviously, some of that is interest, all right? In the $100,000 home, you're going to make a $500 a month payment. So that's $6,000 a year. So even, let's just say it's, no interest at this point, just to keep the, the numbers very simple. In one scenario, I gained another $60,000 in value. The other scenario, I gained $6,000 in value. Wow. So once again, if you add inflation and your debt service, I just made $160,000 in either savings and equity, and the other one made 16000 So it becomes, which one would you rather have? It would take you 10 years in the other house to reach the value of the start of my first year and pay down in inflation at a million dollar home. This is kind of a little derailing just a tiny bit, but when you bought this house, so many people were like, they are living so far out of their means. Mm -hmm. They don't need that house. There's only, at the time there were three of you, there's only three of them. And that house is so big and so extravagant. But if everybody understood this concept, they would think you were so smart. Everybody thought you were so stupid for buying this house. Yeah, half a million dollars in equity in three years. So when you signed the, like, signed the mortgage and you bought the house, were you? how did you feel about it? Uh, well, me being me, I was pumped. Okay, how did Dee <laughs> I, feel about it? I was ready. She, uh, my wife, was... Because she was still dealing with a little bit of financial minimalism at the time. Like yeah, that mindset. She, she was very traditional mindset. I remember the first conversation we ever had. I was like, you got a 401k? Yeah, <laughs> that thing's going. What? <laughs> yeah, get that thing out of here. That thing's worse. So <laughs> just, I'm just remembering that story now. Uh, she was not as comfortable as me. It was, it was, it was, it was very scary, but she also trusted and believed in what we were doing and the skills that you had. Yeah. She was understanding of like where we had come from and what, 
Now, she obviously also had an understanding of the numbers and, you know, what we were making and what we had in savings and, you know, what we were putting down, all, all, of, all of those factors that happen in a real-life mortgage, a real-life scenario of buying yeah. a home. But she, but, she had, but she had to work through that. I mean, uh, you should have seen the first time she ever had to sign her name on a, a real estate document. And it was for a sale of a property. That way we could get paid. She read every word of every document. And everybody in the title company is sitting there like, this doesn't really happen. I'm like, hey, I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I married her. Yeah, so that, uh, but that's a great example. You're not going to be supported in this thinking in the beginning. No. You have to show people. I mean, even our own family. They're going to be the most difficult they ones, were, typically. They were like, they wouldn't even come see the house. There were people who wouldn't come see your house. That, that is a real thing. That yeah. Tr- that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that you put it into perspective like this, at the time, I didn't even understand it. Yeah. I didn't understand money as well as I do now or know half of the things that I know now. Mm-hmm. But when you say it like this, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. It if makes... you have the means to buy the house, you should absolutely do that. You should absolutely do so. It just makes more financial sense. Yeah. It makes more financial sense for you to own a supercar that is $100,000 and up than it does to to drive a Hyundai for twenty five grand. Sorry, Hyundai. But it, financially, it makes more sense to buy the supercar because they don't have a bottom. They don't go to zero. You don't start over. You understand true value. It becomes a wealth transfer. If I can buy a personal example, the R8 that I yeah. had. So I bought that for $80,000 and I sold it for $110,000 after driving it for two years. Wow. So I got to drive an R8. <laughs> you got to drive an R8 and, and have it paid, in your driveway. And I got paid $30,000 to do it. And meanwhile, the, the Kia that we built our... This would be an interesting story. We actually bought the Kia for free. I'll go into how in a moment. But the Kia technically would have lost 12 to 14 grand. So would you rather lose 12 to 14 grand with a daily driver Kia or would you rather drive a V10 supercar and make 30 grand over two years? A purple V10 supercar is what I'm taking. (laughs) It was purple. It's true. (laughs) It was flip-flop paint. Yeah. (laughs) Deep space. Okay. Tell me about the Kia. Okay. So this is how we handled the Kia. So we needed, now in financial minimalism, in most people's thoughts, the financial situation that we were in, we weren't ready to spend money on a liability because it is a liability until it does pay you back. The definition of an asset is something that puts money into your pocket either every month or has a plan for it to do so. And there's a specific strategy behind it. Okay. Up until that point that you extract from it, it is a liability. So we weren't prepared uh, to spend a lot of money on a liability yet, but we were in a situation where, okay, money is useless until it's used. How can I make a car payment free? All right, so all I have to do is replace that monthly payment with an asset that pays me at least that much every single month. It can be dedicated to that expense. My expense, therefore, becomes free. My lifestyle doesn't have to change. I never have to worry about making that money. How can I do this? That way I don't have to trade my time for it now, too. Okay, I need, to, I need something that's truly passive. It shows up every single month. So what we chose to do is what we did. Hey, go drive a car that you want. You want something stable. You want something with a great warranty. That way we're not worrying about it. It's going to be reliable. And we're going to be in a situation where we can just focus on building for the next five years. We're going to be a one-car family at this point, And we're going to be focused on, on just building. So we don't want outside distractions. So she landed on a Kia. She bought a little Sportage. But she went and drove it first. And she figured out what she wanted. She tried out a few different things. And we said, okay, with zero money down, how much is this going to be every single month? Came to 400 and like... 29 bucks or something like that, if I remember correctly. 
So before just pulling the trigger and going, we're going to spend the $429 a month and then I'm going to try to replace it. We're going to replace it first. So we went out and got a house and resold it on owner finance. And when we did it, we set up the terms that way it paid us $450 a month. So it covered the insurance on the car and the payment of the car. And then we set up the terms that way it would pay us for seven years. She owned the car for five years. It was completely paid off. And then we still have the asset paying us every single month. So her car was free. You basically got paid to drive. We got paid. You got gas money from that. Not only were we paid to drive it. So she bought the car for 20, I think 4,000, mm-hmm. $23,000, $24,000 out the door. When she turned it back in with 100,000 miles on it, we got 12 grand back. So That's we were, impressive. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we were paid multiple thousands of dollars for her to have her daily driver. And it had a warranty. It had no maintenance. And it had no, exp- no, ex- no above and beyond expenses because of the way it was set up because we bought brand new. And we had the plan in place, took the action up front. How do we replace this expense before it's even there? Let's set up a note. We got paid $450 every single month. It still pays us today, by the way. When you told me about that, when you first were buying the car, mm-hmm. you like tried to explain this to me and I didn't understand anything you were saying. I was like, I don't understand how this works. Hearing it now, I'm like, wow, that's genius. But I feel like so many people would hear a $420 a month car payment and they would like, absolutely not. They would shut the idea down. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you rewired your brain to be able to think of how can I just replace this? That's crazy. Before, before you have it too. This is how you create wealth through the expense column. So the example of the million dollar home, it is more expensive to pay $6,000 a month for a mortgage or $5,000 a month for a mortgage, whatever it ends up being versus the thousand dollars on the other house. But through the expense column, you end up adding dollars to your worth, to your assets, to your equity. So therefore, it becomes more usable in your life. So as you, to go back to understanding true value, this house that we're sitting in, it's not going to go to zero. Other houses can go to zero. Properties can go to zero. Cars can go to zero. If you buy something of true value, you're always going to be able to liquidate something out of it, even if you're in a poor position. So what ends up happening is that you build strength and confidence off of it. So that's why financial minimalism is the dumbest thing that is taught today. Again, this is not going back to, hey, I want to own one bowl and one spoon. Whatever, that's up to you. But financial, <laughs> financial minimalism to its, it, in its core is one of the dumbest things that you can focus on because it puts, a, it puts a ceiling on your growth. It puts a ceiling on your potential. The, the, the most I can do is get rid of whatever expense I have. It also goes back to the last episode where we talked about elastic habits and how like it's such a negative mindset and you're punishing yourself. Yes. When you are practicing financial minimalism, every time you spend money on something that isn't necessary, that you don't deem necessary, you punish yourself. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're kicking yourself every time you do something that you live, every time you spend the money. But if you don't spend the money, what's the point in having it? It's useless. It's so useless. I could have... $100,000 in my savings account right now. What is that doing for me? Nothing. Past a certain point. You should yeah. have reserves. There's levels of comfort, comfortability. Like you have to be able to look intrinsically to yourself and go, I sleep better at night when I have X amount of dollars in my bank account. But if you have hit, triple that. Hit that number. Yeah. And just make sure that that finish line doesn't continue to move. Yeah. Hit that number and then. Invest the rest. Invest the rest. Use it. Grow the rest. Invest in yourself. Yes, that's what most people don't understand is typically they want to go, okay, I have $10,000. Where should I invest it? 
and absolutely nothing outside of you. You should invest 100% of that in your education and in your skill sets. You should invest, you should go into debt investing in yourself. I actually believe that. If you just spent money on you, even if you don't know the purpose of it at that time, you are going to learn and grow from it so much that you will, you will increase any potential for your earning in a compounding fashion that you can't even possibly understand right now. You should spend so much on your education and spend so much on investing in yourself that you will get to a point in your skill set that you can't spend it fast enough because you're earning so much so quickly. I feel like a lot of people who are even investors and people who are financially sound, the thought of in, when they think invest money in something, they're thinking real estate or put it in stocks or somewhere else. It's not often that you come across people who are like, invest in yourself endlessly. That's yeah. not the first thing that comes to mind. When you say invest, the first thing that comes to mind is not, I'm going to spend money on a course or invest in myself. Yeah. That's or, or a training or a mastermind or, you know what? I'm going to pay this person $10,000 to let me follow them around for a week because they've done something that I've dreamed of being able to do. That would be so much more valuable than taking any college course, any high school course, anything like that, because it's true experience. Like that's what you want to get around. You want to get around people who have done what you're looking to do. And what it'll do is it'll shave off 10 years of your learning curve. It'll save you hundreds of thousands of dollars and help you earn extra hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like your net growth is exponential. Meanwhile, the financial minimalist is like, save five bucks. Don't go get coffee. Put it in my pocket. Put it in my pocket. Squeeze onto it. Don't spend it. Make so, sure it's useless. So the thing, the thing that you are scared most of, you are trying to save more of. And what are they going to do with it? You have more fear. Be more terrified of it. So if I were to give $10,000, no, just make it a hundred bucks. If I were to give a hundred dollars mm -hmm. to somebody who practices financial minimalism, yeah. they would hold it. Keep yeah. it. Now, if I give it to you, what would I you do? I actually don't even know if they would take it. Really? Why would they? You know what they would do? Actually, they would take it, but you know what they would do? They would, they, they, they would spend it on an expense. They would try to get, they, they would spend it in working an expense down instead of in, increasing their income. Instead of making a greater income, they would work on paying something off. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would you do with it? If I give you a hundred bucks right now, what would, what would you do? And what? And, okay. And, say you, you didn't have the net worth that you do. Okay. Say you are, you, your income is like 60,000 a year, 50,000 a year. Okay. Okay. And you are in those shoes and you, but you have the mindset that you have now and you're like, you've, you've learned that mindset. What would you do with a hundred dollars? Okay. So that was the key. I was going to ask like, what's my mindset in this? So I have my knowledge and wisdom. You, yes. You have your knowledge and wisdom, but somebody else's income. Okay. But I don't have the skill sets yet. No. Okay. The first thing I would do is I would take that hundred dollars and find absolutely any way to put it into something that would gain a skill set for me. Okay. I would go to absolutely anybody and go, can I give you a hundred dollars for you to teach me something today? That's the absolute first thing I would do. I make phone calls today and go, teach me something. So you still I've invest in mentorship. I've that before. Hey, can you teach me something? Yeah, he actually has, which is wild to me. He calls me sometimes. Like every once in a while, I'll get a call from you that's like, can you teach me how to do this with, like, with a camera or something? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you want my help? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can learn from anybody in any facet of life. I, this is a great story. I learned a wonderful lesson from a heroin addict one time continue no he 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 looked me in the face one day um 
he is sober now, which is amazing. But he looked me in the face one day, and this goes back to our discussions on perspective as well and how um, your problems aren't real. <laughs> so he looked me in the face one day. Um, I had said something about finances or an investment or something, like just being human, going like I wasn't happy with the way something was going because it hadn't grown the way that I expected it to. And he said, well, the Bible says to give you your daily bread, not your monthly bread. Because he was existing day to day. Give me my daily bread. And that, that one hit me. I was like, oh, I was so far ahead of myself that I had forgotten to be in the moment today. And realized that I had enough for today. And I had another chance tomorrow. Wow. So you can learn from anybody in any facet of life at any time. There's always that, something that can be learned. Absolutely. That's why it's so important. So in you teaching me something about cameras in the, in the example that you used, I raised my skill set to a point where I could earn a little bit more. If I know how to set up a camera 10 minutes quicker over the course of doing it a hundred times, how much time do I save? Hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. So those hours and hours and hours and hours, if I make thousands of dollars an hour, that just became an extra six figures a year for me by learning that one little skill set and understanding that compounding actions like get you huge results over time. It's just the little stuff. So if you see a penny on the ground, instead of going, it's just a penny, think of it as that's the start to my compounding. I should grab that. You know, I think about it, like talking about financial minimalism, I think back before I, before I had the income that I do now, and I think I lived the same lifestyle. My lifestyle hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it is the fact that you're, you're making money to live your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You're not making money to, to be able to live that life. Does that make sense? So most people equate financial minimalism to the fear of, uh, of, of a lifestyle creep. Is what I've heard it called. Lifestyle creep. Yeah, like my lifestyle's creeping up. If I make more, I'll just spend more and I'll be in the same situation. Okay. Which Parkinson's law does say that you will spend what you make. But that's that's where financial literacy and financial IQ comes into play because you can understand I can get money away from me when it comes in and it can go to work above me and my lifestyle doesn't have to change. So to your point of what you were saying there, like, hey, my lifestyle hasn't really changed. Like I get to do the things that I always love to do, like travel and uh, photography and videography and you know, you're doing the things that you want to anyways. Like, could you spend more money on it? For sure. But you're also financially literate enough to know that I feel good when I have X amount in the bank and above and beyond that, I'm going to invest in real estate or education or skill sets, whatever it may be. So if I had $100, back to your question, if I had $100, I'm finding the first person that will take it to teach me something valuable. Because that $100, if I do that, let's just say you gave me 100 bucks. I would turn around and give it back to you and be like, teach me photography. And the first thing I would do is I would book five photography sets. I don't even have to be good at it. And the first three, you know, maybe I take 50% off. And the last two, I charge a normal amount, whatever the normal amount is. That $100 just became 1000 bucks. Wow. And then I would take that $1,000 and I would immediately give it to the next person and go, teach me something valuable. And I would take that and I'll be like, oh, you t- so you teach a course and you teach uh, people how to do X, Y, Z. You teach people how to do what? Okay, can I teach people how to do that? Does it make sense? Does this fit my life? Okay, I don't have to teach that, but what am I good at? So I'll take that $1,000, I give it to them, they teach me how to teach something, and I go, and I'm going to go teach what I'm really good at. Now my 1000 bucks just became 10000 bucks. I'll find 10 people to learn from me. Then I'm going to take that $10,000, and I'm going to go learn a new skill set. It's going to pay me hundred grand a month. Wow. You can be rich in six months. And now you know that, but you didn't know that when you first started. 
that's my whole point. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yes. Yes. You that's asked me I, like, yeah. Hey, do I keep my wisdom? Do I keep my knowledge, my understanding, my trust in myself and financial IQ? You can be rich in six months. Yeah. Cause we've talked about if you lost the entire, the entire company right now, all of your portfolio, all of your houses, if I lost every, everything, every bit of real estate, I lost my books, all of you, every penny, income, if I lost every penny, you would be able to recreate what you did from the bottom up. The first thing I would do is I would call a friend, somebody that I trust and go, I need someone in your network that's willing to pay $50,000 for me to mentor them one-on-one. Wow. And I would create 50 grand in the course of a week. Somebody would find somebody and I would start, start that process. And then I would have a 50 grand nut to go off of. And then I'll go, okay, can I do that six more times? See, but your answers changed mm-hmm. because that's crazy. Cause it used to be if I lost everything right now, I would be able to rebuild my portfolio. Yeah, so I would, I would, I would, I would wholesale. I would go wholesale house. And what I've like, I'm not saying that that isn't a viable option, but yeah. where my skill sets, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and experience are at now, I could create 50 to a hundred grand quicker by sharing my experiences. That just wasn't and, the answer that I and, expected. And teaching someone else to do that within a couple of weeks versus me going out and doing that in a couple of weeks. So now, instead of me wholesaling a house and it taking 30 days or 45 days to, you know, to get that uh, money in the door, maybe it's, you know, your average wholesale deal is like 10 to 12 grand. Let's just say it's a really good one and it's 20. How can I make 60 and half the amount of time? I'm just, just going to ask myself a great question and I'll go, I'll teach three people how to do it. So you understand that you're the value, not the money. I am the value. The money's not the value. So your fear of not having money is gone because you know that you can just remake it. No, I'll just remake it. So do I'll you re- remember? I re-earn it. I don't make it. I re-earn it. Re-earn it. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember a specific like experience moment that in your life where you were like, oh my goodness, I don't fear not having money anymore. <sighs> is there a specific, like when it switched over? Yes. I'm just thinking like, I know one of D's would have been getting this house. Yeah, that was, that was a real moment. My first fancy car. Okay. <laughs> first, first higher end car. Uh, but but you, you know what? It wasn't even like an expense moment though. It was, it was probably the first time there was a switch in your mind. Because when people talk about like different income levels, right? So it, it's actually factually proven that anything above seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year doesn't create any more happiness because typically the average person at seventy, eighty grand is taken care of, like their needs are taken care of. But there's different levels in which things flip and change. Uh, those levels, in my experience, are the seventy to eighty. That first one, very factual, like it seems factual. Uh, One fifty, things change. Two fifty, things change. But when you get over half a million dollars a year, it's that's that's really the shift. When you get over $500,000 a year, things are different. And the first time that I consistently got to twenty five dollars and $30,000 a month personally, not like a company, me personally, and it was just consistent, super consistent over and over and over and over again, that's when I recognized like, oh, this is the accumulation. This is the result and the accumulation of the, the, the actions I've taken up to this point. If I didn't take those actions, I wouldn't be at the result that I am today. So I'm recognizing that I am the worth. So I don't have a one singular specific moment. It's to me, that's kind of asking, Hey, when did you fall in love? Well, it's accumulation of like constant trust building and constant consistent action. So 
that's how it's similar. It's similar to me because finance to me is very much so a relationship. If you treat it well, it'll come back. And if you don't treat it well, it should leave. Have you ever had a really needy friend? Yeah. Did you ever want to spend time with that person? No. Why would money want to spend time with you if you're needy? That's so true. Money has a mind of its own. Money. It's a relationship. Just like food is a relationship. And people who are overweight struggle with the food relationship, how they view food, how they interact with it, how they treat it. It's money is the same way. If you are needy for money, it won't be around. If you strangle money, that friend's probably not going to come back. So roll back to you mentioned you just grazed over Parkinson's law. Can you explain that again? So Parkinson's law states that you will spend what you make. Okay, so how does that relate to this? So most people, they try to save after they spend, when in reality they should save and then spend after what's left after saving. So okay. most people, they don't understand the principle of getting money away from them, how you pay yourself first. So there's four financial principles in life that will create financial freedom for you. There's principle one, and it's in this order. Principle one is financial or pay yourself first, excuse me. Principle number two is getting debt on a plan. Principle number three is understanding true value, which is some of the things we've talked about today. And principle four, which you don't have to worry about right now, is teach someone else what you have learned. And the reason for that is it continues your growth because if you're teaching someone else what you're doing and they get to a certain point and you've stopped growing, they're going to know. And that doesn't feel good. So teaching someone else what you know keeps the movement going forward. It keeps you consistent. Okay, so, that's so why how, those four financial principles. how would you recommend somebody beat Parkinson's law? Through financial IQ and financial literacy and understanding that they are the value and understanding that they direct the money. So they can have a plan when money comes in, let's say a thousand bucks comes in, What, no matter what the amount is, say a thousand bucks comes in, they know that they can have a strategy in which they're gonna pay themselves first, which is principle number one, and I do that by getting money away from me. It doesn't go in my normal checking account because then it'll disappear. I have to get it into a different account that I don't have immediate access to on my app that I can just transfer and rob from myself. It has to go into this account, and no matter what, that 10% stays there until it grows large enough that I'm past my reserve threshold where I feel good and I can sleep at night, and then the rest is going to be invested, and then it's going to go to work for me, and then it becomes self-fulfilling. That, that wheel speeds up. It's pretty soon that flywheel is going so fast that you are making more than what you can logically spend. Okay. Especially when you get that, that number to a level that you are spending on you, when you're investing in you, you're going to get a much higher return, infinitely higher return in anything that you spend on you versus outside of you. So if you spend it on a piece of real estate, yeah, you get 10, 12, 14%. You're very, very doable to do more than that. Sometimes it's less than that, but it's very possible to do more than that. If you put it in you, you're getting thousands of percent return every single time. Back to my, your example, if I gave you 100 bucks, that thing's going to, that $100 is going to be 100 grand really quickly, within six months, within three months. Okay. And you're going to end up sitting in a property like this versus something that I'm just trying to make a payment on and keep things safe. There is no, there is no safe. The only, the only safe is you. A lot of people try to stay in a job that they, they call it job security. There's no such thing as job security. Okay, this is kind of an interesting question that I just thought of. Okay. If you were to recommend to people one to three just books that taught you this, what would you recommend? Like, have you Ooh. read anything really that really changed this mindset for you, that gave you this? Uh, the Psychology of Money is really good. 
Profit First is very good. Oh man, there's so many good financial books. There's so many good ones. Those those are a couple hit home. A very common one is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, man, I'm trying to think. That's a, that's an investment. That's an investment. Buying a book. Oh, that's without, a really small attainable investment that anybody could watch and can do. Without question. Now I wish we were in the library and I could just turn around. You just and look turn around at and grab yeah, one and, and show. Look at them. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm asking because I'm thinking about actionable steps that people who are watching this can take, no matter what their income is. Yeah, thinking where grow, they're at. Think and grow rich is very good. I, lo- I love people that this is a total sidebar out of nowhere, but I love people that are like, yeah, but the author died poor when he was old. Like, <laughs> that's not the point. Like think, think and grow rich is very good, man. There's, there's so many good finance books. I bet I've read a hundred financial books. And when it comes down to it, it comes back to the core principles that you're the value and that skill sets is what matters in, in all of them. Why I like psychology of money so much is because it explains why the people around you are making the decisions that they are and no one's making a decision. It, it Really, what it teaches is perspective. Like, why would someone buy a lottery ticket? It's the worst investment in the world. To you and me, it's the worst investment in the world. To somebody who's never had an opportunity to make any more, they look at that as the way out. So if that's my bet and the way out, I'm making that bet. You already feel different about people buying lottery tickets. So I think that one's really good. There's There's... There's a lot of good ones. So in the description down below, we'll put a list of my ten favorite that you can go that you can go grab. That's like, a really that easy, actionable step that you could take in an investment in yourself. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people my age. I don't feel like I know a lot of the people that are around me and that I spend my time with my age live paycheck to paycheck. They actively participate in financial minimalism because that's just how they were brought up. What would you say to do to get out of the cycle? So it's important to recognize that there's no shame in being in financial minimalism right now because it's what you were taught. Yeah. Right. And being 20, unlearning that at 20, that's a really young age to unlearn that. Very. Yeah. Very. So you should be giving yourself a lot of credit for recognizing that you want to think differently because most people never even realize it, let alone at the age of 20. So... Uh, in that case, the first, the first thing you have to do is recognize that one, you're okay. And two, you can make a change. So you're in control of it. You're understanding that you are the value, but the absolute number one thing that you have to do is focus on, and this just solidifies the point that financial minimalism is stupid to escape the paycheck to paycheck life. The first thing that you have to do is recognize that you have to build skill sets to increase your income. Your wealth creator is your income, not your minimalism of an expense. So the people that you think about that come to mind like super ultra wealthy, you know what their expenses aren't? Less than ours. Not remotely close. Billionaires have billions of dollars in expenses. And they have no fear of spending money. Right. And if they do have fear of it, they just recognize that they can overcome it. But typically at that point, they're not going to be fearful of spending money. They understand that money is going out to be used to create value and the value will return an exponential dollar. So an understanding that that is a cycle is wildly important. It's, it, it's potentially the most important thing in your understanding of financial IQ and raising your financial literacy to a point that you can escape a paycheck to paycheck life. So you have to understand that focusing on your income and the only thing that creates your income is your skill sets. Perfect. So in the example of this episode, 
talking about, if you gave me $100, what would I do? Go find that $100 person. Go find that $1,000 person. Go find that $10,000 person. Whatever you got in the account right now that you can part with and still survive, use it. Go buy a book. You have $20, go, go buy, buy a, a book. book. That's why my book is priced at 20 bucks. My whole thinking when I was writing the books was I want to be able to touch everybody that way they have the opportunity to step up to the next level. So if you got 20 bucks, I know you can buy a book. So the, the book's priced at 15 to 20 bucks. And if you got a thousand bucks, guess what? You can buy a course and then you can interact with us directly and I can help you that way. And if you got 10,000 bucks, if you got 20,000 bucks, like there's opportunities there to be at a more intimate level, like one-on-one, right? You can hop on coaching calls. Like you can invest that and it comes back into you and you will hold on to that forever. When you invest in yourself, you build a skill set that can pay you forever. How many things outside of you have that capability? Not money. Not, definitely not money. You can invest in the S&P 500, the top 500 companies, right? You can invest in any one of those companies individually, and there's a very good chance in 20 years they're not even there. So that's not forever. That's, sometimes it's not even 10, 10 years. Sometimes it's not five years. Sometimes it's not even three years. So putting it outside of you is far more risk than putting the investment in you. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck right now, if, if, if we're talking directly to the people that you know, you're around or you know that are living like that, that want to escape that, they have to understand investing in themselves, creating a new skill set, and focusing on income is the only thing that will get them out of it. Perfect. The, <laughs> perfect. Awesome. <laughs> the absolute only, that, it, it's, it's, it's the only way out. There's no other way out. There's no way out through a trap door on the floor. I feel like people my age who are living in that mindset and live paycheck to paycheck, they see me spend money Mm -hmm. on the things that I do. And they're like, what are you doing? Why would you spend, why would you spend money? It's always the question. Why would you spend money? It doesn't even matter at this point what it is. If Mm -hmm. I say I spent $5,000 today, why would you spend money? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect example is your cameras here. My gear. We've got. I don't know, ten grand in cameras. Mike, I always joke my camera bag when it's got everything in it is like ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, you got a fifteen thousand dollar bag that you're walking around with. The financial minimalist goes, I would never spend fifteen thousand dollars on that. And you that, could probably get one cheaper. And that equipment has made you a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So that equipment is a fifteen grand has a ten X return. Paired with the knowledge. Yes. The only way that you had the capability of doing it was to spend on it. Yep. So that's absolutely what you have to do. So if you are living in any shape, way, or form within financial minimalism, escape it now. And escape it now by applying what we've talked about today. And if you want to learn about new habit building and being able to stick with it, you can watch our other episode on elastic habits. It would be extremely wise to watch that video because it'll teach you how to be part of the 8% of successes as opposed to the 92% failure rate in creating new habits, which is absolute insanity. So go watch that episode now down below in the description. If you want to join the discussion, you can leave us a comment and we'll be down there. But in the, uh, in the description down below, there'll be links for you. You can join our newsletter if you want a course, anything like that. But most importantly, the best thing that you can possibly do right now is go watch that video on elastic habits because we want you to build new habits. That way you can actually be successful and reach the goals that you've set for yourself. So that's our whole entire purpose in having this podcast with you guys today. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect again. 